I started at NBC actually in the fall. And when I talked to my advisor, I was taking classes every term and realized after my first class that it involved a lot of mental busyness for me. Um, I was constantly thinking about my courses. Uh, and I want you to know that these courses are not just checklists for me for ordination. I truly work at these and put everything into it because I want to learn and uh, realized that I was learning so much that I needed breaks in between. So I asked if I could schedule maybe every other term and give myself a seven week Sabbath break in between. So that's kind of where I find myself right now. And when Dr. Graves asked if I would do this devotional, I was coming out of my third class, which was biblical interpretation. And in that class, if you're familiar, and that's where I've seen some of your lectures, uh, if you're familiar with that class, you're given a set of scriptures, you choose one, and then you write a 15 to 20 page biblical exegesis paper on it. I had never done that before. I was scared to death. I remember logging on that Saturday when you could access classes, and I thought, there's no way. I can't do that. And literally by the grace of God and by constant prayer every day before class, I can tell you that I think I wrote a pretty good paper. And even better, my professor thought so. And so I got 100 on the paper, 100 in the class, and that was great. Um, but I will also tell you that biblical interpretation uh, hasn't been any different than the other classes that I've taken at NBC. Every single class, I have walked out different than how I came in. Um, I have walked out stretched and challenged and growing even deeper in my faith in the Lord. And that is just a testament uh, to the wonderful people that are at this college. So I just want to say that first. And so in biblical interpretation, that's what happened with this passage of scripture. I spent six weeks really diving into it. And then writing that paper, I walk out just thinking about it all the time. And so it became very clear that the Lord was asking me to use this passage in this devotional today. So I'm excited to actually put that to good use today. <laughs> so the passage that I chose for my paper was John chapter 12, and it's verses one through eight. This is what it says. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And we read about that in the previous chapter of John chapter 11. And it says, so they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him said, why was this anointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. And so as I was studying that scripture for the exegetical paper and really digging in, it became clear that that passage of scripture is about this complete devotion to Jesus Christ. Now, by definition, devotion means love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person, cause, or activity. And that's what we see in the passage. We see love, loyalty, and enthusiasm, and sometimes the lack thereof by Judas, for the person of Jesus Christ the Son of God, the Messiah. 
And so as I looked at this passage, it was easy to divide out what does devotion look like and what does a lack of devotion look like? And so that's what I'm going to be covering in this devotion this morning. And so one of the first points about devotion is that devotion to Jesus is costly. Uh, in verse one, we see that Jesus is back in Bethany after going to the wilderness. So in John chapter 11, he raises Lazarus from the dead. And of course, that starts those stirrings among the chief priests and the Pharisees wanting to put him to death. But one thing I know is that we don't work on people's time. We work on God's time. And so Jesus goes to the wilderness um, until it's time for things to start being set in motion in God's time, of course. And so in John chapter 11, verse 54, it says that Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but he went there to, to the wilderness, to the town of Ephraim, and there he stayed with his disciples. It then goes on to say in John chapter 11, verse 57, that the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. And so when we get into verse one of John chapter 12, we see that despite those rumblings of those in charge and despite the reputation cost of Lazarus, he sat at that dinner and he honored Jesus anyway because he was devoted to him. There's no indication that he's the one that tells the chief priest and the Pharisees about Jesus there, being there. In fact, we read in verse nine of chapter 12 that it was probably those large crowds that got their attention. Uh, but we get to see that there was a cost in what G Lazarus knew. He knew that his reputation would be at cost. He knew that he was on the wrong side of things, according to the chief priest. But there was also a cost that he wasn't aware of. Because in John 12, verse 10, it says that the chief priest had made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. And so Lazarus was devoted to Jesus despite the cost of what he knew. But he was also devoted despite the cost he didn't know because devotion to Jesus is costly. And it's the same for us. It costs us both in the things that we are aware of and sometimes even in ways that we don't expect. The second aspect of devotion is that devotion to Jesus is consistent, but it's not tedious. And here's why I say that. Because in verse two, we read two simple words, Martha served. And it reminded me of Luke chapter 10, where it talks about Martha serving. Luke writes, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And so she was serving in the past. She is serving again here. And she goes up to Jesus in Luke chapter 10. And she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. And so back in Luke chapter 10, we see in the past, Martha was doing what she was doing. Um, but she was flustered in her serving. It was a tedious uh, project for her. But in John chapter 12, verse two, we simply see that Martha served. And so it hit me in comparing those two passages that we see consistency in Martha. We see consistency in her gift of serving. We see consistency that she does what she does and she does it in a way that honors Jesus. But I think that we also see that there is a shift in John chapter two. Martha changes as a result of Jesus. And so here, yes, she is honoring Jesus using her consistent gift of serving. But what makes it different here is the heart behind the service. It doesn't appear to be tedious here. She is giving it out freely and consistently. The third aspect of devotion is that devotion to Jesus is an act of humility. Uh, verse three is where we really see true devotion come into play. In fact, everything in the narrative points to verse three. 
we learned a lot about chiastic structure in our studies. And if you were to take those eight passages and put them into a chiastic structure, everything would point to verse three. That's the point of emphasis here, the, the true devotion. And here we hear about Mary. And Mary for me is the culmination of Lazarus and Martha being a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, where it was costly for Lazarus, it was costly for Mary as well. Her use of that pure nard was costly and expensive. And in my research, I found that that pure nard in today's time might have been worth around $30,000. That's what it would be worth in today's time. Um, and so while it was costly, that's not what she was thinking about. Instead, it was given as this act of worship to Jesus as she poured it out on his feet. And so what seemed like a waste to others in terms of cost was not a waste to Mary at all because she poured it out from a place of humility. And like Martha, who modeled consistency, Mary does as well. Uh, here again, we find Mary at the feet of Jesus. It seems like every time we read about her, that's where she finds herself. Uh, we read about Mary at the feet of Jesus in Luke chapter 10, listening to his teaching. We read about Mary in John chapter 11, and she's grieving for her brother falling at Jesus's feet. And here again, she is anointing the feet of Jesus with this nard. And just being at Jesus's feet was a position of great humility. And so just like the feet shows humility, wiping the feet with her hair down was an act of humility as well. Uh, cultural norms or political correctness did not matter in that moment. All that mattered was thinking of Jesus first, herself last, because that's what true devotion does. The last part of what devotion is, is that devotion to Jesus requires choosing Jesus first. In verse eight, Jesus is responding to Judas's questioning of Mary's devotion. And his response is a reminder to us that Jesus must come first, even before all the good things, even before the poor, even before our families, even before relationships and causes, because he is the root of it all. He even says in Matthew 22 that the greatest and first commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. That's the definition of true devotion to Jesus. But then he says that the second is like it in loving our neighbor as ourself. And he says second, and I've seen so many pastors put those two things on the same playing field, but Jesus makes it clear that though they are not because the second is exactly that it's second. And we cannot effectively do the second unless we are all in on the first of loving God with all of our heart. Jesus must come first in true devotion. And so while we learn what devotion is, we get to see the contrast of what a lack of devotion is through the person of Judas. And I like these because these are indicators of things that we can use to compare our lives, uh, lives to, to see if we are devoted to Jesus. And so a lack of devotion, number one, can be seen in the lack of what it costs us. In verse six, we learned that Judas is the one that keeps the money bag and he steals from it. And in verse four, we read that he will go on to betray Jesus. We see that Judas is about money. He is not about others. And while he questions Mary on the cost of the nard being poured out on Jesus, it apparently never cost Judas anything to show his devotion to Jesus. He took money. He never gave money. And while Mary poured out $30,000 worth of nard, 
Judas would go on to sell out Jesus for 30 measly pieces of silver. It cost him nothing. Well, until the end, of course. And then the lack of devotion number two to Jesus can be seen in a lack of integrity. You know, continuing with those verses, verse six, talking about Judas's reputation of being a thief. We hear that he's consistently stealing from the money bag. And then in verse four, that he will go on to betray Jesus. He has a consistency in his life. But unlike the consistency of Mary and Martha, who were devoted to Jesus in the good, Judas shows his, incons or his consistency and his lack of integrity. The third thing is that a lack of devotion to Jesus can be seen in just having the appearance of holiness. In verse five, Judas asks about the cost of the nard to appear holy instead of actually having a heart of holiness that impacts his actions on the outside. In verse six, John even writes that Judas says that not because he cares about the poor, but because he cares about the money and what it would have meant for him. The fourth thing that we see in Judas is that the lack of devotion can be seen in choosing other things first. In the summation of all the verses that deal with Judas, verse four, verse five, verse six, the overall takeaway is that Judas is not about Jesus first or about Jesus at all for that matter. He is about money and himself first. And in verse eight, Jesus makes it very clear that all those things of the world will continue to exist, but in the end is Jesus first. And so in breaking down that passage in this way, I think it begs the question for all of us, how devoted are we to Jesus? This is a question that I think challenges everyone from the new believer to the student in ministry, to the teachers, leaders, and preachers at a Nazarene college, and I'll be honest, there was a time when I never thought I would have asked that question of people in the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, but to be honest, now I'm not so sure, and I don't want to get emotional, but there was just a lot of things on my mind as I was thinking about this passage of Scripture because I have been grieving over things happening in the Church of the Nazarene. As Dr. Grace said, I sit in leadership at my church. I sit on a district advisory board. I sit as a newly elected trustee at a Nazarene college and I'm seeing all the things. I know you know what I'm talking about. I've seen the Facebook exchanges. I've seen the anti-biblical stances promoted from those within the church. I have friends that are alumni and pastors who are not sending their kids to Nazarene schools. I hear people pulling their donations and their funding because they're scared. I grieve that once great institutions in our beloved denomination are consistently losing their way. And so as I plan for the devotional, as I thought on this passage, as I think about the things going on in this world, um, I will tell you, and I just wanna throw this in too, I have not heard these things about NBC. That has not been my experience. That's why I chose this place over any other. But as I thought about all of that, I couldn't help but think, do we have a devotion problem in the Church of the Nazarene? Are we devoted like Mary? Is our devotion costing us something? Is it consistent? Does it come from a place of humility? And does it put Jesus first in all things, even the good things in our lives and in the church? Or are we a church that's devoted like Judas? If our devotion to Jesus is not costing us something, shouldn't it be? Do we lack integrity in who we are as believers? Do we only offer the appearance of holiness? and promoting all the good things, but lack true biblical holiness that starts from the heart? 
And do we choose others and causes over truly loving God first? I want to be a student and a minister that is fully devoted to Jesus Christ. And as your student, I pray that you are as well. And I believe you are. I pray that you are devoted to Christ like Mary was and that your devotion pours into your roles at NBC as you lead future ministers like me who will go out into this denomination. And then in your devotion to Christ, can I ask this? In the world of crazy that's about teaching personal truth, will you continue to teach God's truth? And in a world where people are preaching social justice and the social gospel, will you continue to preach God's biblical gospel and the gospel of Jesus Christ? And in a world where leaders are trying to deconstruct the faith of believers, will you be leaders who continuously build us up in our faith? And in a world where people look like Judas, will you continue to be devoted like Mary and like Martha and like Lazarus and like all the saints that are found in God's word and in the founding of the church of the Nazarene? And then I pray that we as students who will be future teachers and preachers and leaders in the church of the Nazarene, that we will do the same as we devote ourselves to Christ first in a way that is consistent and humble and in a way that will probably be inevitably costly. Thank you.